Well, today um, there are three things we're going to talk about amongst many others, but is hell real? Is transgenderism okay with God? Is looking at pornography harmless? You know, just some simple topics today, (laughs) right? Some simple ones. Interestingly enough, um, 2 Peter chapter 2 doesn't speak directly to those, but those are topics in our culture today. Jesus forewarned us about the times that we're living in. In Matthew chapter 24, which relates to 2 Peter, Matthew chapter 24, these are Jesus' words that he was teaching his disciples. He says, as he sat on the Mount Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be, meaning his return, and what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one may lead you astray, for many will come in my name, saying I am Christ, and they will lead many astray. Can you say many? Interestingly, many will come in my name, Jesus says, and will lead many astray. And will lead many astray. So if you turn to Second Peter now, we, we realize that Second Peter addresses this idea of a false prophet. You know, I think sometimes we can say, okay, we we can talk about what the culture is doing and we can then talk about saying, okay, are we, are we bending to culture? It's another thing when you say people in the church who are saying these things and they're not true. And one is very much more dangerous than the other one because they come as prophets of God. In other words, spokespeople of God. And they will say, this is what is true, and this is what Jesus is saying. And the reality is they're deceiving many. False prophets. Second Peter chapter 2. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Look at somebody beside you and say, are you a false teacher? Because there are some among you that are. (laughs) Not in this church, not in this church, not in this church. But Peter, who's talking about the early church, remember Peter is addressing in his, his letter to the early church that there were false prophets among them. False teachers. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who, uh, who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And many, and many will follow their sensuality. Ask the person next to you, are you the many? Are you the many? Because here's the reality. He didn't say one or two. He doesn't say a few. He says many. And that should be very sobering for us. That there are false prophets. Jesus says that in the last days there will be. 
and many of them, and many will fall away because of their teaching. And, and what do they teach? What do they teach? There's some, there's some things that we want to be mindful because it gives us some insight to how to determine if something is true or false. So here it goes. You're saying they will follow their sensuality. Sensuality is one thing to be looking for. And the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Here's another thing to be looking for. One is sensuality. Two is greed. Is somebody trying to extract something from you? And they're telling you things to somehow benefit themselves? Be watching for that. They will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not, uh, not asleep. In other words, the, the scheme of the devil is, is not a new scheme. It goes all the way back into the original deception with Adam and Eve. Through words. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? And you know what? They gave into that thought because they were like, hmm, yeah, did God really say? Isn't it interesting? I was talking to Carrie, our next gen director, who's doing an amazing job, by the way. Um, thank you, Carrie. And she was um, addressing actually a similar topic amongst the youth this past Thursday. And, and we were talking about this game. Um, I don't know, what's it called? Truth, truth, lie where you basically have to say three things, two of them are true and one's a, one's a lie and you have to guess which one it is. And the best liar is the ones who can give you uh, partial truths. Partial truths. And isn't that the way the enemy works? He will give you partial truths to make you think it sounds true, but in the reality it's false and leads people, many, astray through false teachings. So how do we know if it's false? Leads to sensuality. There's somehow there's greed involved in it. Verse four. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, and when he brought a flood upon the world of ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what he was going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by sensual conduct of the wicked, for as a righteous man lived among them, Day after day, he was tormented, his righteous soul, over their lawless deeds, and that he saw and heard. Let's stop there for a moment. Because you would say, well, well, God would never bring judgment upon people, right? God's a loving God. True, he is. But do you also know that God's a just God? 
there's a nature of who God is. And so, so my, my concern is actually studies have shown that um, the Christian church is beginning to believe a lie. And I would say it's a heresy that there's no such thing as hell. In the last 10 years, the percentage, I can't remember what the percentage was, but I was surprised by it that like 20, 20% more people believe that there, there can't be such a thing as hell because how could there? Because there, God's loving. Yes, God is loving. And, and he says this, his heart is that none should perish. His desire is that all would come to know him. He, it pains his heart to think that there's going to be separation between him and his creation. But God is also a just God. And his nature wants to preserve this goodness and this righteousness. And that's why Jesus Christ was so important to uh, us as followers. Because the only way that we can become righteous ourselves is through Jesus Christ. There is no righteousness of our own except through Christ Jesus. And it's his righteousness that has paid the price for us to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. So here, God brought destruction on the earth through, and he found one man, his family, Noah, saved them through the ark. There was a sensual, here we go, sensuality again, a, a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is where you get the term sodomy from, from that city of, of sensuality, of um, people confusing the way God has originally made male, female and how God intended to have relationships and the right structure of those relationships that sexual relations were to be between a male and a female in the context of marriage. And, and that city was destroyed and righteous Lot, who was, his soul was tormented. Yeah, the interesting thing is, is the issue is not that we are to live perfect lives and the issue is not to whether or not we struggle with certain things. The struggle is okay. In my estimation, the struggle is okay. When we stop struggling and we start calling wrong things right is when we no longer have the grace of God to do his redemptive work in our hearts. Right? So we need to begin to start saying, hey, the struggle is okay. I hope people who struggle with their sexuality can find a home here at Grace Capital Church. I hope people who uh, have, are, are identify as transgenderism can find a home here because this is a place that there should be healing and connection and love. But it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we start saying things that God never intended for as to be right because God, after all, is all loving and therefore all loving means that all things are permissible, which is actually such a fallacy. Or we would say, if there's no hell, then therefore, therefore, God, we can live our lives the way we want. And as long as we just have Jesus to, um, to get our back, we're going to be fine. He addresses us, Paul does, uh, sorry, Peter does in a moment. So here we go. Let's finish reading this. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly um, from trials or temptations. It's interesting. So, so again, even if you feel like I'm facing temptation, God knows how to give you an escape out of that temptation. And to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust 
of defiling passions and despise authority. Okay, here, so we got, we got lust of passions. We, said, we talked about that, sensuality. We've talked about greed. You want to know what another, one, another sign is? That they defy, so they despise authority. They don't want to have anybody to tell them how to think or how to live their life. They don't want to come under the structure of God, the authority of God's word or the authority of people that God has placed in their life. So how, how do you know, again, uh, of, of false prophets or listening to, um, if you're being deceived? Are people able to come under authority? Bold and willful, they do terrible as they blaspheme the glorious ones. So the interesting thing about blaspheming is, is they make a mockery of the very thing that God has created. That's why, for me, transgenderism is, is such a, a horrible lie. Because it's the very thing that God made male and female, and if somebody then starts saying themselves, they, they are somebody different than the way God made them, that is a blaspheme to how God has made them. And, and I completely am, am compassionate. I've talked with people who are wrestling through that journey. And I have compassion because they feel different in their body than their body tells them. I, I get that. But we have to be careful that we don't listen to the voices that try to say, hey, by the way, that's okay. By the way, that's okay. Because that would be a false prophet. That would be somebody who's telling you something that is not true. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these like irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction." Um, it is good news and bad news. Good news, God is fair and just, and his heart is that none should perish. He desires that even the people who are blaspheming him would come to know him and re- into repentance. Bad news is, if they choose not to, there is destruction waiting for them. Suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revile in the daytime. This whole, whole idea of reviling is they're seeking pleasure. They're desiring to, to yeah, I guess seek, pleasure seeking is the best way to, to define that term. They are blots and blemishes revealing in their deceptions. While they feast with you, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They enticed unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. So again, here's this lust, this idolatry. There's this greed. And they are purposeful in trying to deceive people. That's why when it says, am I the many, right? We talk to each other. Am I the many? How are you not going to be deceived? Because there are people intentionally who are, who are claiming the name of Jesus, who are claiming God, and who are going to tell you partial truths to make you believe that it is true, and then you become deceived, and that deception brings greater bondage into your life. And that is actually the, the, the end game for the enemy. He is so mad 
that he rebelled against God. A third of the angels left, and the angels, those fallen angels now are demons. Some are currently bound in chains still currently, um, and they are going to spend eternity in hell apart from God. Uh, and he's trying to bring as many people as he can because he despises God's creation. His job, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. You have an enemy. Now, the interesting thing is, is our warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's about powers and principalities. And so we have to be spiritually minded as we know how to fight these battles. We have to be spiritually aware, attuned to the Holy Spirit, and asking him for the discerning of spirits to allow us to walk with confidence and not being duped by what the enemy is trying to do. So they are accursed children, forsaking their right, right way. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Bor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. Now, interestingly enough about Balaam, he actually was a prophet of God. He actually started out saying the truth of what was on God's heart, but then out of his own greed, he wanted payment um, for, um, I can't remember exactly what he wanted payment for, but what he did is he tricked Talking about sensuality, he tricked the men of Israel into having relations with the Moabite women. And he brought into this intermarrying and this sensuality and this sexuality and it actually brought judgment onto Israel, but he did it out of selfish motivation. You have to watch the motivation for people. But he was rebuked for his own transgressions. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. If you want to look that up, I'm not going to go into it now, but it's in the book of Numbers, um, that account. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm for them. The gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they, they themselves are slaves of corruption. Here's the other trick of the enemy. He promises them the freedom, right? You can be whoever you want to be. That's the promise of freedom. You don't have to be constrained by the traditional thoughts of the traditional church. You don't have to be, um, fall under the authority of God's word. Really, that is just man's interpretation of how do we really know, right? That, that's, what, that's what the false prophets would tell you. How do you really know? This was just written by a bunch of men. Well, actually, the fact, fact is it was written by men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but that, that this is the authority of God's word. This is not just some letters that don't have authority. It, it is authoritative in our life. It instructs, it, it shapes us, it corrects us. These are not just good thoughts and good suggestions. We are to align our lives to the word of God. But they will continue to practice these things and tell you these things. And he will skew and they will like give you partial truths. Remember the partial truth that becomes a lie. And then they promise you freedom. But all it does is enslaves a person even greater. 
That's the trick of it all, right? When, when Adam and Eve were deceived, they promised them that you will actually have, you can see what God sees. You'll be like God. And that sounds kind of good. Well, I, I can be like God? I can just actually can see like God? That sounds pretty good. And the reality was the very thing that he used to bring bondage in their life, that it, that it became this, um, this horrible enmity between God and humanity and this journey of now needing sacrifice to make things right. And it was the freedom that they once had to walk in the refreshment of being in God's presence and, and enjoying his creation was forever tainted. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for those of you who've already made a decision to follow Jesus in your life, you have escaped the defilements of the world, right? You have basically said, I've tried living on my own. I've tried living under my passions and living for my flesh. I've seen the bondage it has. It leaves me broken and hurting. And I'm going to turn from those. Now I come to Jesus For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than to after knowing it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What does a true proverb say? What has happened to them? The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. There's two thoughts on this scripture here. Um, I'm not going to give you the conclusion of it, but there's two thoughts. One is the those who have a reformed theology would say that, um, you know, once saved, always saved, meaning that. You can't lose your salvation. People would then say, well, people really weren't saved. If they're going back to their sin, were they really saved in the first place? That's the kind of the Reformed theology on that. Or the Ar- Armenian theology, which would be saying, you can lose your salvation. And this would give evidence to say that once you did know Jesus, and then you reject his grace and turn back to your former ways... That second condition is way worse than your first condition. It's like the dog returning to its own vomit. Meaning they've given themselves over to almost animalistic passions or returning back to the very thing that is disgusting in their life, right? You think about a dog returning to its vomit. That is like disgusting. And and you're like, but that's his imagery that he's giving us in second Peter is hell real. Here we go. As we conclude, where's my piano man? Here he comes. I don't know. For some reason, I just like the little piano playing behind me when I, when I, when I come, I'm bringing it home. I just feel like you guys all just start gluing in on me. Like what is the, what's going to be said? Conclusion. Here we go. Is hell real? If God saw what angels did and and brought them into into their judgment of hell, angels are 
different than humans. That God also then brought destruction in humanity for those who rejected God. Again, remember, he's a loving God, his heart that none should perish. But apart from Jesus Christ, God's holiness and his nature, we can't be reconciled to a holy God. Now, it describes what hell looks like here. Gloomy darkness, chained. After I had my, um, ruptured my Achilles last summer, I'd never experienced anxiety before, and then I experienced anxiety. Even simple things like eating food, I felt like I was choking, suffocating by just swallowing food. It, my, I don't know what it was the medication or what, but to me, it felt like you could never have peace. I kind of felt like that was like a hell, right? There's never a sense of peace. Since you're always in anguish, always in this feeling like the world is caving in on you. And whether it's physical chains or you just feel like you feel chained. We do know that hell is a place separated from God. And we know that only through Jesus Christ and God that we can find peace and joy and the things that we would experience in heaven. Apart from that is probably despair, gloominess, this feeling of oppression. Is hell real? Hell is real. His heart, Jesus' heart, is that nobody would experience that. Next question I ask is transgenderism. We could put a lot of the LGBTQ. I'm not picking on just one, but it t does seem to be the uptick of people talking about transgenderism um, today. Can I let you know that God is passionately in love with those people? And so is this church. Not all the case, but many times, those people have been so hurt by other people. Their way of making sense of some of these things is to turn to different areas, to try to find peace in their own life. And the reality is God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's redemption, God's love, God's healing is for them. But why did I put is looking at pornography harmless is one of my questions. Because the, the tendency can be like the church wants to pick certain things and make them kind of more important than others. People would say, well, pornography is kind of harmless. If you watch any, if you look at any of the studies, you'll realize how harmful it is. It's not harmless at all. But I would also say that it, it begins to war on the soul. And it plays the same thing that anybody that would struggle with their sexuality. Th this is the same. This is the same. Pornography is the same. You're struggling with something that is outside the bounds of what God has intended it for be. Sexual pleasure was meant to be in the confines of a married relationship between a man and a woman. 
And when you take any one of those things outside of God's original design, we run the risk of finding bondage in your life. Now, let me, let me tell you, the struggle is not the concern. The reality is, for some of us, we will have ongoing struggle for the rest of our life in certain areas of our life. The struggle is not the issue, because we are flesh and blood. We all have temptations. It's when the struggle stops. And then you start becoming, you start calling right things or wrong things right to justify the very things that you're doing. And then you look for those false prophets who will tell you what you want to hear. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of false prophets who will tell you what you want to hear. A lot of them. They'll tell you solo sex, that's okay. Better to relieve yourself than to, than to, you know, they'll give you all the reasons. Oh, by the way, you know, I can go on. I don't need to give you all the examples. I think I'm going to get myself in trouble if I start giving examples. <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody's clapping. Somebody's clapping. Say, please stop right now. <laughs> I don't want to get all the emails later. <laughs> wisdom. See, there's something about the gray. Something about the gray. Let's give me wisdom. <laughs> the young Mark would just go blast it out and then all of a sudden realize, no, they got the point. They got the point. I don't need to dig myself deeper holes here. They got the point. And the point is this. Many will be deceived. And I don't want you to be the many. There are false prophets who will claim that they are Jesus people, God people, who is going to tell you partial truths that will lead you astray. But you will find some common things about false prophets. It leads to some level of perversion. It will lead to some level of sensuality. It will be marked with some greed. They will be boastful. They will not be able to submit under authority. You start seeing those qualities and those characteristics of those people, you run far and you run fast and you say, I am not going to listen to you because they are false prophets. The other thing I want to encourage you, I say this time and time again, is you need to be in the word of God. You need to be in the Word of God. Thankfully, we have journaling groups. If you don't know how to be in the Word of God, how to read the Bible for yourself, we've got journaling groups. You can find um, us. I've got a journaling group. By the way, I'm going to promote mine because I haven't done a very good job promoting it, so I get the platform. I'm going to promote it. Wednesday mornings at 6.30 a.m. at Starbucks. Sorry. Is that an ungodly coffee shop? It might be. But I'm bringing salt and light to that place of darkness. <laughs> All right. But no, there's many mentally journaling groups and there, there people will teach you how to um, read through God's word. You need to be in God's word. You need to be able to know what his word says because the false prophets will give you partial truths. And if you don't know what it actually says, you're, you will be deceived. 
You need to be in community. That's why I so, every single person needs to be in a life group. The enemy will isolate. If we're isolated, there is all kinds of things on the internet you can find. You can find anything on the internet that will tell you what you want to hear or will plant things in your mind to say, hmm, maybe that is true. And the reality is false. You need to be in community. Say, hey, I, I've been searching this a little bit. What do you think about this? And let the community bring you back to the word of God and say, no, this is what, this is what the word of God says. And then submit your heart to that. And then lastly, I want to say if you're here today, if you fall in any of the LGBTQ plus 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 things, I want to let you know you're loved and you're always welcome. I also want to let you know if you're dabbling in other things, <laughs> that some point in time that's going to come and ensnare your heart and bring bondage in your life rid yourself of those things pursue Jesus thank you so much for watching us online we're so glad that you joined us we trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word if you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church please visit us at gccnh.com we'll see you next time